slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view, the people who work in the prison system would have another, and I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Um, Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And Peter and I are here today. This is Marissa and I'll, we'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. Hi, Pete. Hi. Now, first up on the show, and before I actually introduce the first topic, I just wanted to say that this is a special broadcast dedicated to building the movement to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody and just a warning that there may be verbal images of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that, that have died. Verbal um, stuff. Yes, that's right, Peter. Now, it's approximately 4.01 and um, first up we're going to be speaking with Priscilla. And Priscilla is um, is actually from North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency, and we're going to be speaking with her shortly about Mr. Walker, who's a young nineteen-year-old Indigenous man who died, and I believe he's from Alice Springs, from a remote community. And I will leave it up to Priscilla to actually introduce Mr. Walker and what land he's from. Mr. Walker was was brutally shot. Um, by police whilst he was in custody and because the matter is still under investigation there are limits as to what we can say absolutely nothing wrong with talking about what's happened in the media and Priscilla and I will actually enter into into a discussion about Aboriginal deaths in custody in general and talk about what happened with the shooting the policeman um, involved has been charged with murder and we'll speak about that too shortly then after that, we're going to be speaking with – well, actually, no, we're not going to be speaking with anybody at all, actually. We're going to be um, having a press conference. The press conference has already happened. It happened on the 11th of November 2019. It was in regards to the inquest of Auntie Tanya Day. Now, Tanya Day uh, died in custody on in, De in December 2017 – she is a 55-year-old grandmother who fell asleep on a V-line train and she fell and suffered a head injury while she was in custody in a police cell. And we recorded a press conference last Monday morning and we'll be playing that shortly as well. So, yeah, um, Peter's going to be playing a song called Wolfpack now and we'll, we'll get Priscilla on the phone. Oh, this is... Wolfpack and the song's called um, Screaming Queens. <laughs> 
up against the tolerance of bigotry? Will you be an advocate for societal change? Are you a representative of freedom and equality? Or is your existence just a fucking waste? Most LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate, and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counseling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between queer Space, Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1-800-542-847. With Respect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call 000. A 3CR supporter. Yep. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And unfortunately, we've had some technical difficulties and we're unable to get on to Priscilla um, to speak about this very... Very shocking, sad death of Mr. Walker. But we will try and, and get Priscilla shortly. We're going to be playing the press conference that happened outside the coroner's court last Monday, the 11th of November. But before we do, the Doing Time show just wanted to thank um, ABC, um, ABC TV, for, um, for helping us with this audio as we had some technical difficulties. But indeed... Um, we're playing that press conference shortly. Just wanted to just update listeners about what's going on with the inquest of, of Tanya Day. The final decisions and findings will be handed down in early February, March. And there's been quite a lot in the media about the inquest, which is which is pleasing. And it's it's quite good coverage, actually. There was, there was actually a really good article in the News Daily. And it's entitled Victoria Police Responsible for Mum's Death. Um, Miss Day suffered five falls while in police custody. And, yeah, there was really good stuff in, in, the, um, in the Guardian. But just to summarise some of the oral submissions um, from the inquest, um, the Do and Time show we, we attended last Monday, as, as we said, and the... Human Rights and Equal Opportunity Commission made some oral submissions about um, unconscious bias and systemic racism and talked a lot about the Charter, the Human Rights Charter of Victoria. And so uh, looking at how, um, for example, Tanya's liberties may have been eroded. So that's one of the submissions that have been put forward. And of course, um, the family of, of Tanya Day put forward um, an oral submission and, and basically um, just to summarise, the individual police um, needed to be held accountable for the custody of Yorta Yorta woman um, Tanya, Tanya Day and her children argued to the Victorian Coroner's Court that um, it's, it's about police investigating police. 
If there is no criminal investigation, there will be more deaths in custody, the family says. There is no doubt in our mind the Victoria Police are responsible for our mum's death, that she died in custody because police targeted her for being Aboriginal, then ignored her and left her to die on the floor of a police cell. And that was a direct quote from Belinda Day, and you'll hear more detail in the press conference. So Belinda Day told reporters outside the court in Melbourne on Monday, Victoria Police still have not apologised for our mum's death. Without accountability, there will never be justice. The 55-year-old grandmother was woken from sleep on a V-line train, then fell and suffered a head injury while in a police cell on December 5th, 2017. She died two weeks later. Her family also want coroner Caitlin English to acknowledge that systemic racism and unconscious bias were central to Miss Day's death. The calls come in a written submission to the inquest into Miss Day's death before final oral submissions, submissions were heard in court last Monday. The Day family argued for three main things. For individual police officers to be held accountable through a criminal investigation. For Victoria Police, V-Line and Ambulance Victoria to be held to account through a finding that systemic racism was a cause of Miss Day's death. For a recommendation, police stop investigating other police. The family argued that on the evidence heard so far, it is possible police have committed offences which the coroner should refer to the Department of Public Prosecutions. The submission also argues systemic racism and unconscious bias played a central role in Miss Day's death because public drunkenness laws were more likely to be applied to her as an Aboriginal woman. They have also stressed the significance of the coroner's findings and future for future generations. Now, some of the things that came up in the inquest last Monday, and indeed um, the Do and Time show has attended quite a lot of the inquest, but in particular, the things that emerged uh, last Monday were in regards to the police, and in particular, being unable being unable to accept the, the, the systemic racism. And indeed, the police have not even apologised um, to the Day family. So that's, that's actually incredibly, in, incredibly negligent um, on, on the part of the, of the police. And it'll be interesting to see what, what the coroner um, says about that. But I, as a radio broadcaster, found it very interesting um, at, the on- at the inquest to see how, you know, the, the, police, the police lawyer, and this, this is public knowledge, you know, that the police lawyer failed to really see that really that that systemic racism was a part of it, and and that that's actually quite quite disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Human Rights and Equal Opportunity Commission qu- Commission quoted Section Twelve of the Charter, which was a right to freedom of movement, um, and in that was actually talked about in the context of um, V Line, what was happening, mm. um, the fact that they were saying that that Tanya was unruly. Um, and also Section 72 um, of the Charter was also quoted as well um, and talked about the obligations under the Act. So giving proper consideration to act, to act compassionately and then finally on the right to liberty. So 
quite a lot of information there and I'm sure there'll be transcriptions available in, in February. But I just wanted to give a little bit of a summary and, and just to to express disappointment on behalf of the Doing Time show that there really hasn't been all that much progress in regards to police investigating police, that there really does need to be an independent investigation and that also that the recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody um, have not been upheld. And this is something that has been talked about quite extensively throughout the whole inquest. So, um, Peter, are you ready to, to put the audio on soon? So yeah. we, we will actually um, give you the press conference right now. Thank you very much. ...are being killed by the police. We want to pay our respects and condolences to Kim Jai Walker's family, a young 19-year-old man who was killed in his home and shot by the police. No police officer has ever been held criminally responsible for an Aboriginal person's in death, despite hundreds of Aboriginal people dying in their care. In our submission to the court, we argue that abolishing the offence of public drunkenness is not enough that this alone will not prevent more Aboriginal people dying in custody. To see change, police must be held accountable. For as long as the government and the courts let police act with bias and impunity, deaths in custody will continue. We have told the coroner that the most important thing to us is that she finds racism was a cause of our mum's death and that she referred the police who were supposed to care for our mum for criminal investigation. Only by telling the truth will anything change. As Aboriginal people, we see systemic racism and how it is built into the fabric of institutions like Victorian Police. We see how systems like, like police investigating police perpetuate impunity and therefore fail to deliver truth and justice, the things we want most. Our mum was a strong, proud and loving Yorta Yorta mother, grandmother, sister and auntie. She deserved dignity. She should be alive today to see her grandchildren grow up. At the time of Mum's death, Aboriginal women were 10 times more likely to be arrested for being drunk in public. There is no doubt in our mind that Victoria Police are responsible for our Mum's death. That she died in custody because police targeted her for being Aboriginal and then ignored her and left her to die on a floor in a police cell. Victoria Police still have not apologised for our Mum's death. Without accountability, there will never be justice. April, why is it so um, well, there's been hundreds of Aboriginal people that have died at the hands of police and they've never been prosecuted. And for us, it's important that that happens now because it's going to put men to Aboriginal deaths in custody. Uh, Belinda, what difference would it make if systemic racism was acknowledged by the police force and the Victoria? What difference would it make? Uh, it's, it's a massive change in that sort of that mentality. Um, I think it's very much hidden under the surface. Um, it's clear to us that systemic racism was a part of that and be really good to, to see the systems itself acknowledge that. You've both sent messages to I guess we're just reiterating what we've been saying. Um, you know, we want the systemic racism to really be weaned out of the systems and we want people to start being held accountable for the lives um, of Aboriginal people that they're taking and you know sadly our mum was one of them and we're just going to continue to fight until she gets the justice that she deserves. Belinda your mother was one of them, can you foresee other women, other men like your mother being in the same situation? Like 
Absolutely. Unfortunately, that's the case. And, you know, we see that with the young young men in Northern Territory that, you know, it continues to perpetuate. So, you know, if nothing changes within the laws, you know, we've got the commitment that it will change, but it hasn't changed as yet. So it's still a dangerous law for our people. So, you know, the sooner, it, sooner something's done to, to do that, that, you know, the chances are that Aboriginal people will be safer. It's caused a fairly great anguish that police have been investigating police in this well, we just don't think it's right. You know, it's it's a conflict of interest. You know, you know, you know. I think we found out through this process that, you know, the investigator would often, you know, consider what the police were, were thinking at the time and come from that point of view rather than asking the questions and finding out the truth. And this is what we're we're about. We want to know the truth and we want that to be out there and we want people to be held accountable. for police not to investigate police. What could be an alternative? How could we have prevented that death? Oh, uh, I think in terms of preventing the death, it comes down to systemic racism and um, certain practices and policies that are in place. Uh, in terms of police not investigating police, well, like I said, it's, it's, it's conflicted. Um, there could be a separate um, body Absolutely. That, that could investigate um, police contact deaths. Um, and it shouldn't be Victoria Police investigating their own. We need civilian review boards. Something similar, yes, exactly. Something that was very, it's very independent. Um, I know that they say this is independent, but we haven't found that to be the case. So just one more question. Is it fair to say that this is a death Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. From the moment that mum um, was taken off that train, that was the first failure in the system but definitely them deciding to put her in a police cell instead of taking her to the hospital. And then if you go into place her in that police cell, you need to monitor effectively, which we clearly can tell that they did not do that. Thank you. And that was actually a press conference that, um, that happened in regards to Tanya Day on the 11th of November 2019. And we're going to be speaking now with um, with Priscilla, who is from North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency. Hello, Priscilla. Welcome to the program. Hello, Priscilla. Oh. We've had a few technical difficulties here. Hello, Priscilla. Hello. Oh, Priscilla. Are you there? Yes. Oh, Priscilla. We've had some technical difficulties. Are you able to do the interview? You're on air at the moment. It's Marissa no speaking. Yep. It's it's lovely to have you. Now, um, are you able to just say what your title is and what land you're from and and what organisation you're from? Yeah. So my name's Priscilla Atkins from Eastern Arundel from Central Australia, and I'm the CEO of the North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency. You sound great, Priscilla. Can you just kind of speak up a little bit? Hi. My name is Priscilla Atkins. I'm yep. the CEO of the North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency, and I'm Eastern Arunda from Central Australia. Wonderful. But what um, just wanted to I, I actually gave a little bit of an intro on um, on Mr Walker, the young Indigenous man who has recently died in custody. The Do and Time Show is committed to building the movement to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody, and I'm wondering if you could just um, tell listeners who he is, his full name, and as much as possible, given our limitations um, 
you know, because the, it, there's a court case pending as to, to what happened. Yeah, Colin J. Walker um, has grown up and lives in a remote outside of Alice Springs. Um, on the um, Thursday, the, uh, two police officers had attended his house and were not sure of the details just yet, but he was shot three times. He was then taken back to the police station. Unfortunately, that day they had had all the nurses back to Alice Springs, so there was no medical assistance available there. And unfortunately, Colin J. Walker has passed away. Um, now it's gone into a police officer that's been charged with murder. Um, he's been given bail and relocated back to his house out of um, the Northern Territory. Uh, so there's going to be a few things happening with the criminal charges where the will be going to court and prosecuted. Um, and the Nadra is also representing the family um, involved in the crime. So Kuman J. Walker um, was, was shot and killed um, in police custody in a remote community in Alice Springs? In Yundamu itself. Yundamu, oh, right, okay. So um, what do you think about the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody? Do you th- what do you think about those recommendations? Well, the recommendations haven't really been implemented in the Northern Territory. You know, there's a number of things that um, should be put in place, not even hard things to put in place. Things like, you know, um, the police should be working with the law and justice groups in the remote communities. There should be formal agreements between the community and the police. All police should get cultural training from the community themselves. They should be using interpreters. You know, they should have alternatives to locking them up. They should go back to community policing so that the police actually work with the community, not against the community. So there are a lot of things um, that really should have been put in place many, many years ago. Um, and if that was in place, this incident wouldn't have happened. Absolutely. And indeed, there really shouldn't be all these guns, should there, in the community? No. Well, the police officers in the Northern Territory are trained to use pepper spray and tasers. So the biggest question we've got is, why weren't they used? Why did they resort? Um, why did this police officer resort to using a gun? It wasn't that the young man had not murdered anyone. He had a warrant up for arrest uh, for parole conditions. So he hadn't committed a serious offence. So if anything, they should have been using the pepper spray or the taser. And indeed, what do you think about the NT Chief Minister, Michael Gunner? He actually met with... Um, Wallaripi elders at the community and promised that the coronial investigation would be independent. What do you think of that? Yeah, so Nigel has also met with um, the Chief Minister and also the Police Commissioner. We requested it be an independent, thorough and transparent inquiry. They've actually got a, a commissioner from Western Australia leading the investigation um, on the police side. There'll also be the ICAC commissioner, so that's the in- independent um, commissioner against corruption. And then there'll also be the coronial uh, well during his investigation, so it'll be hands-off from the police. What we're going to be doing is requesting that uh, the police commissioner meet with um, key Aboriginal organisations and elders from that community so that we're across um, the steps that the police are taking and to make sure that it is going to be um, independent. Is there really such a thing as an independent investigation, given that a lot of the investigations in regards to deaths in custody in general are internal police police um, explorations? Yeah, so that's why um, we had a new police commissioner start last week. 
um, I've allocated the Commissioner from Western Australia, so he doesn't have any connections with police in the Northern Territory. But you also have the ICAC Commissioner as well, who is totally independent. It's quite hands off. You can't have police and just scanning police, um, because that's a definite conflict of interest. Indeed, it is a conflict of interest. And, and Priscilla, tell me whether you agree or disagree, but it seems to me that there's there's been quite a lot of Aboriginal deaths in custody, in particular over the last year or so. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it, it's been a major concern of ours, um, and we have been raising it, you know, that there should be measures put in place to address that. Um, so NARA has actually established the Custody Notification Service. We get a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week service for any Aboriginal person who is picked up in the Northern Territory. It will be legislation for the NT Police to call our hotline, and we have on our hotline a mixture of lawyers and Aboriginal client service officers, and the aim there is to do welfare checks to make sure that they're OK. Do they need medical assistance? Do we need to get to the nursing? Do we need to get them to the hospital? Do we need to link them to an Aboriginal medical centre? Do we need to contact their family? And that's the aim of it. Unfortunately, in this situation, um, Naja's custody notification service was not um, contacted when the young man was taken into the watch house um, when he was still in critical condition. So the, the notification service wasn't contacted at all? Are you there? Uh, I think we may have lost Priscilla. Priscilla? Huh. And that's that's the end of that interview, I think. But But I think we were able to... Um, get the gist of, of what's happened.
WCR are selling Kofia Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours.
and you're back with the Doing Time show. And as listeners are aware, we were speaking with Priscilla um, from Alice Springs and she was speaking about Mr Walker, the young Indigenous man who, who died in custody. Priscilla was actually, I believe, um, in a doctor's office and in a remote community and the reception was very poor. We had some technical difficulties. But we now have um, Sam Watson on the line who's an Indigenous activist from Queensland, has been with us many, many times on the show. Mr Walker's um, issues, uh, death in custody, is a national issue and he's very happy to talk about it. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the program. Hello, how are you? Eh, not bad, Sam. Not bad. <laughs> Considering all the deaths in custody that have happened. Can you tell us, you know, what what happened with, with Mr Walker? We can't go into... No, we can't do in too much detail. Those, those matters now have to be canvassed by legal representatives acting for the family. Yes. And there are there is a team of lawyers up there um, consulting with the family, loved ones and community leaders. So that's, that's in process. Um, it's unusual that um, the Northern Territory Police have come forward and charged a police officer with, with murder, the top grade charge. So... As I that say, that's an unusual uh, step. Certainly warranted, given the, the circumstances that we're aware of. But uh, I think generally um, people across Australia, um, particularly uh, Indigenous people, are saying that uh, this, this has got to stop. But uh, since, uh, since the recommendations of the Royal Commission were handed, handed down in 1991, uh, there have been a further... 442 Aboriginal deaths in custody. So, and every time we confront a death in custody situation, we're dealing with the same set of circumstances, the same patterns of response uh, by armed police and the, uh, the inevitable death to a prisoner. So really, we really do need to pressure um, the federal government to take direct, direct responsibility for... Aboriginal deaths in custody cases. There needs to be a national office set up. And that national office must be based uh, in Sydney or Melbourne. Um, and as soon as a death in custody happens anywhere in the six states or the Northern Territory, um, there must be a special team sent to that place uh, within, within the first few hours. That special team must take full control of the of the situation, they must take full control of the all the forensic evidence, the material, and uh, they must be the principal investigators. And they must be that team must be in absolute uh, control of the movements of police or prison officers, uh, whichever the case may be. So we have to elevate uh, these deaths and custody situations to. A, a special level, and we must have that independent agency that can that has the authority, the legislative authority and power to be able to take full control of the situation uh, to isolate the police uh, involved, so that the police don't have every opportunity to do what they've done in the past, which is to sit with each other for hours, one hours, uh, and the lawyers and cook up a convenient. Uh, version of events that will ensure that no one's going to be charged. So um, the, the case in Unami uh, has certainly highlighted, again, a, a number of very serious problems relating to the 
policies and procedures uh, when police come into contact with Aboriginal people. We've seen uh, a number of deaths in custody cases that are still uh, being investigated uh, in Western Australia, uh, in New South Wales, uh, in Queensland. So there really does need... We need to take death in custody situations out of the state jurisdictions and place them in under the direct uh, direct control uh, of a, a national agency. That That is a matter of high priority. And indeed, from Western Australia, I believe it's Joyce Clark. Is that right? That died Sorry. in custody. Joyce Clark from Western Australia died in custody. Oh, well, we can't really mention names. Okay. Because of yeah. cultural sensitivity. Oh yes, yes, there yes. Are. it differs from state to state, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There are there are other people. Uh, yes. Open oh. cases related yes. to death in custody, but it, death in custody cases are not isolated to Aboriginal people. There are death in custody cases that relate to people, uh, non-Indigenous people with mental health problems, uh, non-Indigenous people who are homeless, oh, yeah. non-Indigenous people who are, are just vulnerable and exposed to attention from police. So uh, to this day, I can't remember of one single police officer in my lifetime, and I was born in 1952, one single police officer has ever been sentenced uh, to a jail term uh, over a, a death in custody or a... Um, a criminal act being committed against a prisoner. So that's really appalling given that uh, there's been literally hundreds of cases where Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people and other persons uh, have suffered uh, and died in police custody. So, And yet not one single police officer has ever, has ever faced jail. So that is just, that is just appalling. So like as we said at uh, the rally we held in Brisbane last, last week, that there's clearly uh, two sets of laws in Australia. One one set of laws for the main, the, the, the majority of the population, and the other set of laws uh, that are supposed to regulate the the actions of police and prison officers. Sam, I'm wondering, and, and of course um, I'll be guided by you as to what you can answer here, but I did want to really raise the topic because it, it is very important for listeners because it appears to, it appears that Aboriginal law is not really practiced, is it, in regards to um, deaths in custody? Well, Aboriginal law, as in as in traditional law, yeah. Uh, like for example, for example, I'll, I'll be loath to go down that route because uh, what you have here is uh, a a sworn police officer. Uh, wearing uh, wearing the uniform and uh, giving a gun uh, on behalf of the Crown of Australia and uh, using that legal authority uh, charged to him uh, to actually shoot and kill uh, an Aboriginal citizen. So I don't believe that's the same matter uh, that should be dealt with within a, the context of a traditional uh, Aboriginal legal situation. This is clearly a... Uh, a situation where this this police officer has already been charged uh, under 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 British colonial law, and uh, that officer now has to be uh, tried uh, to the full extent of the British legal system. And I've I and I would uh, urge everybody to to maintain a, a watching brief 
on just how this uh, this trial is going to be conducted because uh, we 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 must remember that uh, when a, a jury is going to be impanelled uh, to hear this case, that uh, that jury must be uh, selected from the appropriate jurisdiction. So, given that the this incident happened in Yunnamoo, then the jury you would think uh, would be chosen would be selected um, from a uh, from a electoral records of, of persons adult persons living there at Yunnamoo. So it's going to be interesting. As I said, I think I would urge people to maintain a watching brief uh, as as we move forward with this case. Can you comment generally, Sam, on the role of the coroner's court and, and how effective do you think that inquests are in regards to Aboriginal deaths in custody? Look, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not fully conversant with the way in which the, uh, the Northern Territory legal system works. But That's OK. I, I, I do believe that uh, now that uh, the Attorney-General in the Northern Territory has stepped forward and made a decision to charge that police officer that we've we've moved beyond uh, the role and or need for a coroner's inquest because uh, uh, we've now the matter's now been placed uh, fully within the criminal jurisdiction of the, uh, the Supreme Court of the Northern Territory. So we don't. I would I would hazard. Uh, I guess by saying that uh, I, I don't believe that there would be a need to have an inquest at the moment, that uh, that the evidence uh, will now be handed over to the Office of the Crown Law in the Northern Territory, and it'll be the Crown Law who will prepare the brief for the uh, trial, and, and they'll, be the, uh, they'll be the agency that will be prosecuting on behalf of the Northern Territory uh, Government. Also, um, and this is public knowledge, Sam, because it's, it's been in the media, but um, the, the, the Aboriginal elders were actually able to do like a special ceremony for Mr Walker after he passed away. Yep. And, and that's a good thing. Yes. Um, so uh, we, whenever, whenever there's... Uh, sudden tragic uh, sorry business and communities uh, will will utilise their, their cultural protocols in order to uh, begin the, the healing process. So so uh, out of respect for the, the deceased person and uh, the relatives and loved ones of that deceased person, uh, the community will conduct certain rituals and ceremonies and uh, we certainly um, endorse their right to do so, and uh, we uh, are very, very moved by uh, the way in which they're conducting themselves. Because that family, that people at the end of English, conducting themselves with uh, enormous restraint and, and dignity. Yeah, and look, we invited you onto the show because this is a broadcast dedicated to Aboriginal deaths in custody. And although there are limitations as to what we can say, because the matter is under investigation, I'm sure you would agree that it's terribly important to talk about this. Yeah, you can't uh, just lock it away and, no. and think that uh, it hasn't happened, this has happened. There's uh, a deceased person. Uh, that, that deceased person will be dealt with according to the 
cultural protocols uh, of the uh, of his family and his community. So that'll that'll run its course and uh, at, at another level, the uh, the Northern Territory Legal uh, Department uh, departments will uh, conduct the prepare for the uh, the committal hearing and the trial and. Uh, that will be. They will need a very large courtroom, I imagine, because there will be people from all over the world will uh, want to be want to be looking at this. Because remember, the Palm Island death in custody case. Yes. Back in uh, uh, November uh, 2004, uh, only attracted a, a charge of manslaughter against Senior Sergeant Chris Hurley when there was every every belief within the Aboriginal community that uh, Hurley also. Should have been charged with murder. Uh, so, and the difference, the basic difference between the charge of manslaughter and the higher charge of murder is that uh, the Crown Law, the prosecuting agency, must uh, must be able to prove that uh, the the perpetrator uh, did form an intent to to kill uh, the victim. So. Uh, I think, given that, uh, given the circumstances that have already been uh, widely discussed in the in the national media, uh, given that there's a police revolver, uh, the three three bullets were fired into the upper abdomen of, of the deceased person. That uh, obviously the police officer who fired those uh, fired that weapon uh, did form the intent to to kill kill the victim and. Uh, and again, the uh, the actions immediately after uh, the young man was shot uh, also displayed an appalling lack of uh, care for the for the for the uh, victim because uh, because the person was was in the care and control of the police officer. He was shot three times, and yet there was no attempt to administer first aid, no attempt to Call for urgent medical backup. So they say that uh, the police are saying that uh, the, the nearest medical option was some hours away. But uh, but this, this will have to play out now in the in the uh, Northern Territory Court because there will be the circumstances leading up to the police entering the dwelling, and then there will be uh, the situation, the events that took place inside the dwelling, and then. Once the gun has been fired, and once the young man has been shot three times, uh, then there will be that situation, and then the events immediately after the young man had been shot, because the police, two police officers who are not qualified medical officers, removed this young man who was uh, having shot three times, removed him from his dwelling uh, to the police station, and apparently at the police station. Uh, they locked locked the police station up and turned the lights off. And uh, when family members went to the, the, the front door and the windows of the police station to inquire about the young man, um, they were told to go away, that uh, everything was OK, that he was fine. So it took some time for the police to actually tell family members that the young man was, in fact, uh, deceased. This was at Palm Island, right? No, this is at... Yindamu. Oh, Yindamu, sorry. Yes, so you were talking, you talked about Palm Island and also about Yindamu. That's good that you've linked those two, yes. Because there is yep. a pattern emerging here, isn't there, Sam? That 
that there's Absolutely. not there, there doesn't seem to be um, a duty of care here in terms of no. um, providing medical attention. Correct. That's right. That's right. Yeah. In both mm. cases, in both the Palm Island case, the uh, the only concern of the police officers on the in the watch house on Palm Island in 2004 uh, was the safety and well-being of the police. They, they were, and it took them some time to actually inform the family of um, Orangey Dumagee uh, that he had died. Uh, so, uh, on in the end of the middle, apparently, same situation existed. But, again, I'd, uh, I don't want to go too far down that track. No, no. Because uh, we're in, stepping into sensitive legal country. Yes. So it's approximately 4.54 and you're listening to the Do and Time show. And in case listeners have just tuned in, you're listening to an interview with, um, with, with Sam Watson. Sam, it's so great to have you on the program and thank you so much for saving the day once again. <laughs> no problem. Uh, and, I mean, I'm sure you would appreciate, look, we, we have a lot of Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people on the show and, and sometimes, you know, people just can't make it or they're ill. You know, there's there's always a yep. lot of trauma, isn't there? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well let's um watch this space and let's keep an eye on what's yeah. what's happening with this recent death in custody that has sparked outrage around the country and indeed all over the world. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. okay mate. Thanks right. so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that was um, Sam Watson, who is a very much loved um, Indigenous warrior from Queensland. And he has also um, wanted to comment on um, the death in custody of, of Mr Walker. And I believe, Peter, we've got about three minutes left of our show. Oh, um, five. Or about five minutes of our show. Thank you to all our guests. Um, thanks to Peter for pushing buttons there. Right. And for um, dealing with, with some of the technical difficulties emerging today on our show, <laughs> but we managed to have three interviews, uh, <laughs> and um, so if people have missed out on most of the show, please um, listen back to the podcast, which will be available in a couple of days, and um, we'll be going out now pretty soon with our theme song, "Black Fella White Fella" by the Varumpy Band. And is there anything else? No, we'll just go to a few cut. Um, yeah, we'll go to an announcement. I think have a rest. Yeah. Tune in, dig deep, and clean up by purchasing some fantastic discounted gardening books from 3CR's online garden store. We have books on waterwise gardening, organic vegetables, roses, climbers, and creepers, and even clematis. It's easy. Just go to our website, 3cr.org.au, and follow the links on the front page. Don't have internet access? Call the station during business hours between 9 and 5, and we'll post out a catalogue in the mail. All proceeds help keep Melbourne's favourite gardening show on air for another year. Tune in 7.30am every Sunday morning. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And just a correction there, what, they weren't three interviews. There were two interviews and a press conference <laughs> um, for for um, Arnie Tanya Day. Yeah, missed day. So um, just to 
to remind listeners, the Do and Time show is on every Monday from 4 to 5pm. Tune in every Monday. And it's now goodbye from Marissa and Peter. And we'll be going out with our theme song pretty soon with Blackfella, Whitefella from Rumpy Band. And it was quite a, a sad show today, but it was also a show that was very, very necessary as we we do the work to, you know, to build the movement to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody and indeed to stop all deaths in custody. So it's goodbye from both of us. Um, we've, we've got Beyond Zero coming up next. And um, stay strong and take care of each other. And a shout out to our brothers and sisters inside. Bye. Sisters